Wasn't that a beautiful song by Taylor? She has a great voice. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but it's getting better all the time. And I'm telling you, it's not just the talent. She has the heart for the Lord. She loves the Lord. And when Jeff and Taylor got together, it made my heart dance. 
I was praying for that. And I'm so thankful every time she gets a chance to sing, especially before my message, because it is a great, great blessing. A touch. That's all we need. Just a touch from the Master's hand. And He will change our lives forever in a powerful way. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we just come to you as needy souls today. We come as those who need to hear your voice. We thank you that we have a friend in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. And we pray now as we come to you that you will pour out a blessing, Lord, that we cannot even contain. We pray that the Holy Spirit will open the hearts and minds of all of us to receive your message and to be encouraged today, to be challenged, to be convicted, and to be lifted up. Please hide me, Lord, behind the cross, and may you be seen today, Lord Jesus, in all your glory. We pray in your precious name. Amen. Amen. The key to victory, the key to growth, the key to success in life, in the church as well as in our individual lives, is the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Since the day the church was born in the days of Pentecost, until the present day, the key to everything that happens, from every soul that is saved to every believer that's equipped and discipled and trained, it's because of the Holy Spirit's work and His powerful work in our lives. John 14, 16 gives the words of the Lord Jesus Christ before He went to the cross. He told His disciples, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper or comforter, and He will abide with you forever. In other words, he's saying, disciples, I'm going away. I'm going back to the Father. I'm going back to heaven. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. And the Holy Spirit came upon Peter and John and all those disciples, the ones who were so afraid of the Jews, the ones who ran away, even Peter who denied the Lord. Because when the Lord forgave him and the Spirit of God came upon him, he preached with such power that 5,000 souls were saved. And, and, the, and the next day, even more so. It was just a great blessing. It was a pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And we need that today. We need a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit on our lives. We need revival. We need revival in our hearts. We need revival in our churches today and throughout the world. The word helper or comforter in that passage is parakletos, and it means to come to one's aid, to stand by one's side. And we can thank the Lord that we don't go through life alone. Can't we thank Him for that? That He's with us every day, every hour, every moment. I'm thankful for that. Because when I get discouraged and I get down and I start looking at things, it encourages me to know the Lord is with me. He's already provided for me up till this point. And I can have the faith to go forward knowing He will provide for me in the future as well. And God is so, so good. And the Holy Spirit is not a thing. He's not this mystical thing. He's a person. He's, part, he's God. And we know that God is a triune being, and we studied that in our New Believers class. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, equal persons of the Godhead, each one with a specific person and a, and a mission for our lives. We need it. 
And the title of our message today is taken from the NIV version of 1 Thessalonians 5.19 that says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. I love that calendar I got. I mentioned it to you before. It's an NIV version calendar. It has great pictures and great verses. It has a verse for every week. And one of the ones from last month that really struck me is do not put out the Spirit's fire. The Spirit of God wants to work in us in such a way is for us to have an impact on people, to be a blessing. And we can only do it as we surrender to the Lord, as we obey Him, and as we allow His Spirit to have full control of every area of our lives. We're going to look at four things today. Number one, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Number two, he endows us. Number three, he educates us. And number four, he enlightens us. One of the men who used to be involved in the ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ, and he may still be, I'm not familiar with it now, but his name was Bill Bright, and he once said, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with Christ. The Holy Spirit came to glorify Christ. Therefore, if I am filled with the Spirit, I'm abiding in Christ. And if I'm controlled and empowered by Christ, He will be walking around in my body, living His resurrection life in and through me. And isn't that what we want? We need His power. On the day of Pentecost, as I mentioned it, the church was born and the Spirit of God came down. And even before that happened, the Lord Jesus promised it would happen in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, where it tells us, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. That was the promise of power. And then when the day of Pentecost came, it happened. The Holy Spirit came down upon them. Peter preached the gospel. Souls were saved. The church was born. And everything that happened since then has carried on to the present day. Yes, it is such a blessing. If you see, and you'll see the verse behind me in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it tells us what happened on that glorious first day of the church and how powerful it was. It said, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as if a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there were appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Power. That is what turned the world upside down. It wasn't the Christians themselves that turned the world upside down. They were, they were accused of that. They did, but it was not their power it was the Spirit of God working through them and changing lives. And so if we win somebody to Christ, it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the work of God in their lives. The only way, the only way anybody gets any benefit spiritually is through the Spirit of God working in our situation. The book of Acts is called the book, the Acts of the Apostles, but it really should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And some Bibles refer to it that way. Not our power. 
The Apostle Peter said it very clearly in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 when he said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Imagine the day when John the Baptist baptized the Lord Jesus Christ and he went down and he was baptized and as he came out of the water, the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove and he went anointed by God to serve the Lord. Where did he go first? He was tempted by the devil. He went without food and drink for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil gave him all kinds of temptations, but the Lord had no sin in him. He couldn't respond to any of the devil's uh, arguments, but he stood up, he spoke the truth in the scriptures, and we need God's power to handle the temptations of life that come our way. That same power of Christ is available in our lives today to break down walls, to break down barriers, barriers, to fight the devil and all the opposition that we have. We need God's power in our lives. Paul wanted it to be very clear to the Christians in Corinth that it was not his power or his words that made the difference. And he tells them in 1 Corinthians 2 verses 4 and 5, the real source of the power. And he said, "In my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God." It's the Holy Spirit that changes lives. He transforms lives. He changes hearts. He changes families. He changes marriages. He does all of these things. We give God the glory. We give God the credit. Because as we heard today at the breaking of bread, we're sinners. We had nothing in ourselves to offer the Lord. He loved us and saved us, and we can never explain it. Why, Lord, do you love me? Why would you do this for me? It's because of his tremendous grace for us. But I ask this question, why does it seem today that the church, and I mean the church throughout the world, lacks so much power? Why does it lack power? And as you ask yourself that question, could it be that we have lost sight of the focus of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, saving sinners, preaching about hell, and giving the whole truth out? And now we want to invite people into the church to join the church, and we want them to come and be entertained, and we want them to feel good about themselves so they'll come back. That's never God's way. The Lord Jesus, when he spoke the word, he put it out very clearly. If any man wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. He didn't say, if anyone wants to come and join me, you're going to have entertainment, musicians, you're going to have skits and plays, you're going to have fun and outings and field trips. No, he said, you're going to be opposed and persecuted. You're going to be put down. You're going to even, some of you, be put to death. And the early Christians, they knew that. We had a great Bible study on Friday night, and Ginny was sharing with us about a book that she read, is reading recently about a Christian woman back in the days of the early church, and she knew that she would be martyred. She knew that this was a very real possibility, but she was willing to stand for Christ, because when Christ changes your life, 
It's not going to matter if somebody points a gun at you or not. It's not going to be a matter if they threaten with you with arrest or to take away your home or fire you from your job because Christ means more to us than anything else and we're going to live for him despite the opposition of the devil. Well, we have to get serious about surrender and brokenness and then the Spirit of God can work with us in great power. Sometime back, the Associated Press carried this dispatch. Glasgow, Kentucky. Leslie Puckett, after struggling to start his car, lifted the hood and discovered that someone had st stolen the motor. Now, <laughs> you know, we've all been there and done that. You know, the car stalls and this and that. And then we find out what? He found out the motor was missing. Somebody had stolen the motor. Well, of course, the car won't run without the motor. So, too, the church can't move without the power of God, can't move without the power of the Holy Spirit. I think today people are trying to start the car of the church, no motors in it. Or it can be really embarrassing, you run out of gas. Now again, those who have faced that are not gonna throw the first stone, right? We're not gonna do that because we've all run out of gas at one time or another. But praise be to God, he wants us to have the Spirit's power. So we never run out of gas, so we never lose the motor, so we never lose the power in our lives. Author Jamie Buckingham once visited a dam on the Columbia River and he always thought that the water spilling over the top provided the power, not realizing it was just froth, that deep within the turbines and generators were transforming the power of tons and tons of water into electricity, quietly, without notice, not like the flashy froth on top. From the beginning of the Holy Spirit's ministry was always not to shine the spotlight on himself, but to shine the spotlight on Christ. Jesus said, the Spirit of God will come, the Spirit of truth will come, and he will show you the things that, of me. He will glorify me, and that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He is happy when people see Christ, when people are born again, and he regenerates them into the body of Christ. The early Christians... They had power. And when Peter preached the word in Acts chapter 8 and verse 19, there was a man named Simon the sorcerer there. And it says that Simon became a Christian, but viewing by some of the things he said, I don't know about that. Because he came to Peter and he says, give me that power so that I can lay my hands on people and I can impart the Holy Spirit to them. Peter looked at him and he didn't say, sure, sure, we'll give it to he says, put your money away, because he wanted to buy it with money. Put your money away. He says, you're a, your wickedness and your bitterness of heart is showing, and he, I'm going to need to pray for you, because he was not right with God, this Simon the sorcerer. Yes, you can have the best church. You can have the best people, the best preacher, the best choir, the best musicians, the best church building, the best of everything. We see it on TV. You see these huge cathedrals and churches, and they're dead. They're dead. I was reading in my book I have of missionaries, and it's a prayer list, really, and it has, you pray for the different missionaries all over the world every day. You pray for one family or one group, one country. And one of the ones that really struck me today is it says they have a ministry to sick churches. Their ministry was to sick churches. It's sad if we have to have sick churches. It's sad if we have to have powerless churches. It's sad if we have to have dead churches. 
Because the Spirit of God is alive and He wants to work in power. He wants to transform lives. He wants this year, 2011, to see souls saved and believers to draw closer. He wants revival. He wants to start it in my life and in your life. That's the only way to get victory over the flesh, over the devil, and over this world is by God's power, by God's Holy Spirit. That's the only way to do it. And the only way for that power to flow is for us to be clean vessels. Because someone once said, the vessels must be clean for the power of God to flow between. The vessels must be clean for the power of God to flow between. He won't flow his power through dirty vessels, unclean vessels. We have to be clean. We have to be right with God. That's why the hymn writer said, channels only, blessed master, but with all thy love and power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. That's what we want. If we want to be used of God, we have to be willing to be surrendered to him, yielded to him, and allow his power to flow through us. So that's our first point today, God's empowering. He empowers us by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, he endows us by the Holy Spirit. You know, if you hear about an endowment today, it means usually somebody receives money from some organization or group. You have an endowment. That money comes to you. But it also means not only a gift or income, but it also means a gift of nature, inherent talent, ability, or qualities. Do you, have you ever stopped to realize that you have a spiritual gift? That you have abilities that only God has given you? Not just natural talents, but spiritual talents. Some people grow up and they have an artistic ability. I'm not one of those. Some people grow up and they have an ability to work with their hands, and I'm not one of those. Some people have an ability to figure out electronics and computers, and they know them inside and out. I'm not one of those. <laughs> I didn't get those gifts. But you know what? Whatever our natural abilities, God can use it. But even more so, our spiritual abilities, our spiritual gifts. He gives at least one gift to every believer so that we can use them to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and serve him. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the Spirit of God. And it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. You know, we have to remember that everything we have is from the Lord, that we can't claim any credit for it. If he gives you a talent, if he gives you a gift, thank God for it. Don't go around bragging and say, well, I can preach, or I can give Sunday school classes, or I can do this, or I can do that. No, we give God the credit. We can't take credit for ourselves. The late Jerry Falwell was a great preacher, and one time he said this, a spiritual gift is spiritual in character, sovereignly given by God the Holy Spirit to others in the power of God with an evident manifestation of the Holy Spirit through the Christian, he serves God. And that's what it's all about. We are just vessels. We are just earthen jars of clay. We can't take any credit. It's the Spirit of God that then comes inside of us and revolutionizes us, and then we can go out and be a blessing. And guess who gets the glory when that happens? God gets the glory. He can take a weak person, a frail person, an uneducated person, and as we saw with the, with, uh, the book of Acts, fill those people with power, and they can be a great blessing for the Lord. 
Several years ago, a couple of two students graduated from the Chicago Kent College of Law. And the highest ranking student in the class was a blind man by the name of Overton. And when he received his honor, he insisted that half the credit should go to his friend, Kasprizak. They had met one another in school, and when the armless Mr. Kasprizak had guided the blind Mr. Overton down a flight of stairs. Get this, the, the armless man guided the blind man down the stairs. This acquaintance ripened into a friendship and a beautiful example of interdependence. The blind man carried the books which the armless man read aloud in their common study. And thus the individual deficiency was each compensated for by the other. After their graduation, they planned to practice law together. Isn't that true? You have weaknesses, I have weaknesses. You have strengths, I have strengths. You have gifts, I have gifts. They're complementary for each other. God puts us together in one body that we may serve one another and be a blessing. The blind man was a blessing to the armless man, and the armless man was a blessing to the blind man. Dave is studying to be an attorney. Wouldn't you like to work with those kind of gentlemen like that, that didn't see blindness as an obstacle, didn't see having only one arm as an obstacle. We shouldn't see our obstacles as hindrances for serving Christ, our weaknesses as serving hindrances, but we should see it as a blessing to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. Put in a mathematical equation, you can say it this way, power plus gifts plus obedience equals results to the glory of God. I like these little mathematical equations. It's so true of what he can do. He can produce it. And we've been studying in our scripture memory class very well the fruit of the Spirit. This is, this is like several times we've done it now and we're going through it again. And now we're on self-control. And they're fruit of the Spirit. One fruit, not many fruit, one fruit produced by the Holy Spirit manifested in nine different ways. And that's the equipment that the Spirit of God gives us as we go out to serve Him. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Just think of that. So we not only see that he gives us empowerment, he empowers us, and not only does he endow us with spiritual gifts and produce in us the fruit of the Spirit, but he also educates us. You know, you cannot learn the Bible without the Holy Spirit being your teacher. Otherwise, it's words on paper. Otherwise, it's history. It's poetry. It's, it's beautiful. Some people like to read the Bible just because it's very poetical. No. Or historical or gives them something like that. No. The Bible is not meant to inform us. It's meant to transform us. And only the Holy Spirit can take his word and teach us and speak to us and give us a wonderful thing. It's amazing what the Spirit of God can do. The Lord Jesus said in John 14, 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. What a blessing that is. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, the child of God. We all are affected by what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. Sylvia mentioned in her Thursday message, and I really love this, about being seasoned Christians, being mature Christians. And she was referring back to the time when Bill and I and another brother, Don Wooten, well, three of us, were in the intern program. 
And it was intense Bible training program. It was feeding our minds and our hearts with all kinds of doctrine and truth. And they did their best to have practical applications. You go and you serve in different ministries and it was all good. But they just left out one thing. They just left out one factor. And in fact, it's the most important factor. And that factor is you can't replace book knowledge with practical experience with wisdom that you get from those experiences, by the life experiences, by the pain, by the suffering. And I'll tell you what, I have grown more with God challenging my life and giving me these trials and difficulties to overcome, way more than just by all the knowledge I got. And believe me, I thank the Lord for that interim program because I learned a lot. And under Bill McDonald and Gene Gibson, you had the fine, finest teachers. They were great. But... You need that experience. You're not ready to graduate and just go out and conquer the world and be an elder or anything like this. You have to sit at Jesus' feet and learn from him, and then he'll give you the power. And then when you're schooled in his school, you'll be able to touch people's bones with God's truth. It's an education that will never be finished until we get to heaven. We're still learning. I'm still learning. Put another way, someone said, life is the classroom. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. We are the students. The Bible is the textbook. Christ is the subject. And our reward in heaven is our diploma. Isn't that great? That is so true. I can't wait. You know, when you're in school, like when I was in college eons ago, back in 1982, I graduated from Cal State Hayward, not East Bay, but Cal State Hayward. I graduated, and I was so happy to be finally finished, and they, and they the uh, president of the school hands you your, your diploma, shakes your hands, and says, congratulations, you made it. Who is going to greet us at heaven? It won't be Peter. Peter will be there, sure. All the apostles will be there. All the great saints, our relatives, our family members, they'll all be there. But the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be there to wrap his arms around us and say, you made it. You made it, Emily. You made it, Lorraine. You made it, David. It was tough. I know it was tough. But I gave you my spirit. I gave you my gifts. I gave you my help. I was there with you every step of the way, and I carried you through. You made it. And we'll fall down at his feet and say, yes, we made it, Lord, because of you. Not because I was strong. Not because I was knowledgeable. Not because I was good. I made it because of you. You know, I love the, the Star Wars movies. They're really great. And in one of the movies, Obi-Wan Kenobi sent Luke Skywalker to Yoda to learn the power of the Force. And if you remember this, visualize it back in your mind. You see this young Skywalker. He's excited. He's enthusiastic. He wants to go fight the Emperor. He wants to fight Darth Vader. He wants to conquer those, that evil empire. And so Obi-Wan Kenobi, in wisdom, sends him to Yoda to teach him. And Yoda is this little tiny creature who's kind of funny looking. He speaks everything kind of backwards. He doesn't say, I love you. He says, love you, I do. <laughs> he, he spoke that way. And you can just visualize it. And Luke is saying, did Obi-Wan send me to the, really, the right person here? Is this little creature going to teach me the power of the force? But he taught him so well that when Luke was done, he was ready to go fight. Darth Vader, and he won the victory, all because Obi-Wan sent him to learn the power of the Force. 
We don't learn the power of the force. We learn the power of the Holy Spirit. We learn the power of God. We learn to rely on Him through His strength, and He will do great things for us. So may the force be with you. May the Holy Spirit be with you. The Spirit teaches us what to do and what not to do in life. And in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25, it tells us that. He says, if you, we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Our dear late brother Bill McDonald used to always tell us, and it was such a great saying or expression, lifetime is training time for reigning time. And before you can reign, you've got to go through all these experiences. Right now, the Queen of England is reigning. Charles, Prince of Wales, is waiting for her to <clears throat> finish her reign <laughs> so he can become king. And then William is in the wings saying, boy, my grandma is living a long time. And apparently the genetics are so good in my family, I may never see the kingdom. You know, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. God has to do a work. Because if you, you can't take William and put him as king now, or Harry, or these young, there's no way. Sylvie was talking about that in her message too last Thursday about novices. You can't take a novice and put him in a place of spiritual responsibility. It doesn't work. You can't take somebody from the business world that's good in business and organizing things and say, bring him into the church. No, you need spiritual men and spiritual women to serve. And that's where the Spirit of God comes in so that we can have the victorious life, so we can have victory, so we can have the abundant life. It's through God working in us. And so I mentioned that verse earlier in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. First, I'll, I'll read it in the New King James Version. It says, do not quench the spirit. But I, like I said, I really like it in the NIV. Do not put out the spirit's fire. Now, Mike knows very well as a firefighter, if you're going to put fire out, you need water or you need fire retardant. And then when you put it out, it'll douse it. We don't want to douse the spirit. So many times we can be negative. We can make a negative comment to somebody. We can put them down. We can make them feel bad. That's, that can quench the Spirit of God. We can quench the Spirit of God if we're not careful. We have to be careful not to quench His work in our lives or in the lives of those around us. Paul also said in Ephesians 4.30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He's a person. He can be grieved. And if we grieve the Spirit, it wounds His heart. It wounds God's heart. It tears it apart. So may the Lord help us to realize that we're not alone in this world. He empowers us. He endows us. And He educates us. And now finally, He enlightens us. When we say enlighten, what we mean is the Spirit of God leads our life. The Spirit of God guides our life. Remember in the Old Testament when the Israelites were in the wilderness, they, they knew when it was time to move when the pillar of cloud moved or the pillar of fire at night moved. They had to stay put until the pillar of cloud moved or the pillar of fire moved. And I'm sure there were kids, there were young people, and they'd say to their dad, we've been here a long time in this plain place, this, this place. Why aren't we going to move? Why are we so slow? Why is this journey taking so long? And if the father was wise, he said, my son, the reason we're not moving is because God is not moving. 
and we will not go anywhere where God isn't going. Can't we say that in our life? Right now, you know I'm waiting upon the Lord for a job. Many others are in the same situation. Maybe you're waiting for a spouse. Maybe you're waiting for a home. Maybe you're waiting for something in your life. And it seems like God's taken too long. God hasn't moved the pillar yet of fire. He hasn't moved the pillar of cloud. And so too, God in the New Testament doesn't lead us with fire and doesn't lead us with cloud. He leads us by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, through godly counsel, and we all need it because we want to do God's will. We want to do what He wants us to do. The last thing I want to do is, is choose my own job and say, well, I want this one. I'll take that one. No. We want what God wants for us because if we get what God wants for us, it will be the best. It won't even be second best. It'll be like Haley prays, a big job. It'll be a big thing because God knows what we need. And so when He leads us, He leads us in the right path. And that path is steep sometimes. It's hilly. It's rocky. It's not easy, but it's the best path. Because if you go on the path that's easy and smooth, and again, I refer to that message on Thursday. I was so blessed by it because there were two men running. One ran by the plain of the Jordan the easy way, and the other one ran with the hills and the valleys the hard way. But he was the seasoned one, and he was the one that brought the news and had to deliver it to the king. Yes, we're led by the Holy Spirit. And the scripture that really touches my heart is found in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, where it says, And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, we all know if you take a glass that's empty and you fill it with water, it's filled. It's filled. But that's not the full concept of the filling of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit in the Greek, in the New Testament language, has to do with the control of the Holy Spirit. Because when He fills you, He controls you and allows God to have His way in our lives. Nowadays, people are controlled by many things. They're controlled by alcohol. They're controlled by drugs. They're controlled by bad habits and sexual things and all these kind of things. And it's always for their destruction. But God wants us to be controlled by Him so that we can be a blessing to others. Amen. And when we're controlled by the Spirit of God, things happen. Lives are transformed for His glory. First, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 is such a beautiful passage to show how the Holy Spirit indwells us and controls us and, and leads us. And it says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your spirit and in your body, which are God's. Yes, we have a choice. We can be led by the Spirit of God or we can be led by the flesh. Now, we've all known what happens when the flesh is in control. When the flesh is in control, it's going to end in destruction. We are going to have it rough. And we've all learned through the school of hard knocks what that's like. But as born-again believers, when the Spirit of God is in control, He will lead us according to His way. It will turn out for the best. It's not going to be, like I said, easy. It may not be pleasant. He may ask us to do something that we would rather not do, but He will give us the grace to do it. He'll give us the wisdom to experience it, and we will be blessed by it. A.C. Dixon said, When we rely on organization, we get what organization 
will give, what it can do. When we rely on education, we get what education can do. When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do. But when we rely on the Holy Spirit, we get what God can do. Amen. I'd rather rely on God than on education. As great as education is, I believe in it just like it. I believe get, get your education. It's very important. And organization, you can't go wrong. We need to be organized. And we need eloquence, too. It's important. But the Holy Spirit working through His church, that's where the power comes in. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can stop us from doing something that we were about to do. Paul mentions that in Acts chapter 6, verses 6 to 10. For sake of time, I'm not going to read them, but it says he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And then when he tried to go to Bithynia, it says the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And then all of a sudden, a, a vision came from a man of Macedonia say, come over here and help us. And then Paul and his, his compadres, they went there and preached the gospel. And when we're in God's will and doing according to his plan, it's going to work out for his glory. The Holy Spirit calling us, men and women, to be his vessels, to be his men, to be his women. I like that song that we sang. We sing it sometimes for the men's choir on Father's Day. He just needs a few good men. What makes good men? What makes good women? Our skills, our talents, our abilities, our knowledge are important, but it's allowing God to have all of us. Not just some of us, but to have all of us, to be controlled by Him, to be led by Him. Sometimes we may wonder, why did God lead me this way? Why did He guide me this way? Why did He bring me to this situation? Why, Lord? Why? Sometimes we ask that question, and sometimes it won't be till we get to heaven till we know the answer. Why do I have to learn that lesson again, Lord? I learned it once. Nope, you need to learn it again. But Lord, I thought I had conquered that in my life. The devil's not going to give up on that area of your life, so you need to continue. That's why the Spirit of God is with us to encourage us. So to sum it up this morning, let's remember the Holy Spirit empowers us. He gives us his, his power, His strength through our weaknesses. And the Holy Spirit endows us with spiritual gifts and He endows us with the fruit of the Spirit and He prepares us to go out in this world. And He educates us. He teaches us the Word. He glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. He shows us wonderful things from out of His Word. And the Holy Spirit enlightens us. He shines His light down on our path and said, Dean, go this way. There's a great verse in the Old Testament that says, I heard, it, I heard the voice of the Lord behind me saying, go this way. And that's what he wants us to do. And God's voice is not loud. It's soft. It's gentle. Go this way. I'll be with you. The world's voice is loud. All kinds of voices telling us, do this, go to this thing, do this thing, go to that. God's voice isn't that way. It's soft and quiet. Follow me. Follow my leading, follow my guidance, and I will be with you. So as we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have the Holy Spirit. There's no way you can conquer bad habits. There's no way you can get by in life. There's no way that you can be saved apart from God. 
And Jesus Christ came down from God as God and died on the cross for your sins and for my sins so that by receiving him as our Lord and Savior, we can have eternal life today. But it's our decision. We have to make the choice. And as believers, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to have full reign, full control. Then he'll have the full power, the full endowment, the full education, the full enlightenment will be ours, and we will be strong. Not in the force, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Shall we just pray? Father, we thank you today for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for yourself. We thank you that you're one God, and we thank you that you have given us the truth. And we pray today, Father, that you will take these truths and write them on the tablets of our hearts. Help us to be surrendered to you, Lord, to know that we can't do anything without your help, without your power. And we need you daily. And we need your encouragement and your comfort. And we pray that you'll be with us. Help us, Lord, as we go forth this week. Help us to live the same way at church as we do at our jobs and our schools, when we go out to get gas or go to the grocery store. Help us, Lord, to be Christians. Help us to live for Christ. And may your spirit burn within us, Lord. And may we have the power and the strength to be victorious Christians. We pray in your precious name. Amen. Amen.